Welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're listening today. At Redeemer, we are committed to following Jesus and connecting people to God's transforming love. And I hope that this podcast is just one more way you are able to connect to God's presence this week. We are in the third week of a teaching series exploring the various statements Christ made in the book of John that all begin with two words, I am. But those two words aren't merely the beginning of a longer sentence. They are a powerful statement of divinity. Jesus truly is I am. This week, our student and family pastor, Wopsle, shared a message looking at the statement that Jesus is the door. He reminds us that the door is not just about a pathway or access, but so much more. So here is week three of I Am from Wopsle. Good morning, Redeemer Church. If you're joining us online, we're so glad you're here together. And if you're in the room as well, wherever you happen to be, if you're hearing my voice, we are gathered together to hear from the Word of God today. So it's a great place to be my name is Wapsaw. I'm the student and family pastor around here, and for us, it feels good to be back. This time last week, uh, me and about 40 of our Redeemer friends, um, students, student ministry, were at New Life Ranch helping them kind of get ready for the summer, chopped a lot of wood, did a lot of raking, did some painting, and did all kinds of things. So thank you for sending us. Thank you for praying for us, and it feels good to be back sleeping in our own beds <laughs> as we are now. Um, I wanted to take a few moments real quick, because I haven't preached in a few weeks, and I wanted to make sure that we all remember something that's important to remember when it comes to young people. We just had 22 kids go through confirmation, and even though they're not always here in the room going crazy, we, we have a lot of young people still involved in our church. So I wanted to remind you that sometimes young people, especially as they get to be here more in the church, especially once um, the COVID restrictions are raised a little bit, then we'll kind of continue to build our youth section over here like we kind of have in the past. Once all that happens, I want you to remind you that sometimes middle schoolers act like middle schoolers. And in case you were wondering what I mean, let me tell you a story. A couple of weeks ago, after confirmation, a lot of the boys from the class went and sat over here with me, and we happened to be taking communion that day. And so I'm like, I'm in the zone, you know, I'm, I'm holding, I'm, I'm praying, I'm thinking about the Lord, doing all the great things that come along with communion, and I get a tap on the shoulder, and I look over, and one of the seventh grade boys says, hey, Wapsle, check this out. And he pulls his mask way out from his face, and then he gets the communion wafer and puts it inside of his mask, and he says, watch this, and he lets go, and it slingshots into his throat. And I was like, first of all, I can't let on how awesome that was. I have to pretend like, this is problematic, so I said, you know, I tried to make sure, hey, remember in confirmation we learned about, like, reverence and all that stuff? Let's kind of lean into that a little bit. But also, that was pretty darn cool, so like, that's good. thumbs up, but let's not do that again. So I just say, man, as we have more and more young people in our church and in our sanctuary, maybe slingshotting the communion elements, almost certainly texting one another and doing who knows what else. I just preemptively ask for your grace in those situations. And I say, really, with love out of my heart, I say that there are churches in this country, probably even in the city that you can go, where there are no young people to distract you. Um, and Redeemer doesn't desire to be one of those places. Praise God for the young people with their wiggly little selves in our church. Um, hopefully they don't slingshot the communion elements anymore, but other than that, uh, we hope that they will be here. Hey, we're going to be in John 10 today. If you want to turn there while you are, I'm going to give you a little context. So we are in this series right now called I Am, and we're looking at these statements where Jesus said, I am, and then something definitive. So these are very important statements. Today, we're looking at the time when Jesus said, I am the door. So in order to get there, though, we're going to take a long journey to get there. And John 10 verse 1 starts with Jesus talking. 
But we've got to know who he's talking to and why he's telling this story before we get into this. So we're going to back up and let me recap all of John 9 for you real quick. John 9 starts with a great story where Jesus heals this guy who was born blind. He heals him, and then the guy can see. And so the, the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, they bring this guy in front of them, and they're, they're questioning. They're asking him all these different things. Who is Jesus? How can you see? What's going on here? And the guy's like, I don't know. So then they get rid of the guy, and they bring the guy's parents. And they're saying, hey, was this guy really born blind? Like, what's the story? Where are you? And they're like, hey, we have nothing to do with this. you got to talk to our son about this. So they bring the son back in. And they say, what happened there? I mean, they're, they're just interrogating him so hard. And then they ask him this question. They say, is this guy, is this Jesus guy the Messiah? And his response, in my opinion, is the greatest testimony in all of Scripture. The guy's response is, whether or not he's the Messiah, I don't know. But here's one thing I do know. I was blind, and now I can see. Oh, come on now. That's good, right? I don't know all the answers. I don't have all the ins and outs. And even theologically, how he fits in, I don't know. But here's what I know is I've experienced the power of God in my life, and that's all I know. But the Pharisees got so mad that they threw him out. So now he's out kind of on, you know, he got thrown out of this thing. And so Jesus goes and finds him, and he says, hey, how's your day going? The guy's like, awesome. I woke up and I couldn't see, and now I can. This is great. And Jesus says, do you want to know the Messiah? And the guy's like, yes, please. And Jesus says, I'm him. And this guy's like, Best day ever. Everything's going so great. And then Jesus, as he's talking to this man, the Pharisees are kind of like just over in the corner, just kind of watching this conversation happen between Jesus and this man. Not the whole council of Pharisees, just a few of them followed Jesus out to hear this conversation. And Jesus says this to him. This is recorded in chapter 9, verse 39. He says, for judgment I have come into this world. And here's the part for us today. He says, so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind blind. So Jesus tells this to that man, and the Pharisees overhear it. So as the man goes away, the Pharisees come up, and they say, hey, excuse me, you're talking about this blind thing. You're saying that the, the blind will see like that man did, but you're also saying that those will, who, who see are actually blind. So they call Jesus out. They say, are you here to tell us that, that we're blind? Are you calling us blind? And this next verse in chapter 10, verse 1, is Jesus' response To this question, hey, what? So are we blind too? This is what Jesus says to them in verse 1 of John chapter 10. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So can we just point out just for a second here that this story seems a little bit out of left field, doesn't it? These guys said, so what, Jesus, are we blind too? And Jesus says, let me tell you about sheep. And they had to have been like, where where does this come from? That's how we read it. Now, it's important to realize that back then, sheep and shepherding were much more prominent than they are today. So everyone back then would have had like a baseline understanding of what it meant to be a shepherd. To me, it would almost be like today using football as a reference, right? Even those of us that don't play football, we know enough about the sport to put together an illustration. For If someone were to go and say, Jesus, um, what do I have to do to, to cover for my own sins? If Jesus said, well, 
I mean, it's like fourth and 99, third string quarterbacks in, and all the coaches' grandmas are playing the front offensive line, then you would know, pretty difficult then. I guess is what you're trying to tell me. The odds are stacked against me. It's not very easy to do. In fact, it's impossible to do. But if we went 2,000 years in the future and football didn't exist anymore, right, you'd have to explain a whole lot about football before someone could understand even what fourth and 99 is, right? What are downs? How many yards are there? You could realize, oh, it's about as many as, it's about as far away from the goal line as you can get. So that example is really dumb, but the point of it is the shepherds knew so many things, or the, the, the Pharisees knew so many things about shepherds where these illustrations would have just clicked for them in ways that they don't for us because everyone had this baseline understanding. So let me let you know just a few things um, about these shepherds. So first off, these shepherds uh, and these sheep that they're talking about would have been in a pen kind of in a neighborhood. We know that because he talks about the, a gatekeeper. And the only sheep that were in a pen with a gatekeeper were like in a cul-de-sac or like six to eight to ten maybe um, houses would have all of their sheep come and stay in this pen at the end of the block, so to speak. And there'd be a big, nice pen with nice walls and a big, sweet gate with a gatekeeper there. So he could be the one that whenever he saw a shepherd coming, he could, if he recognized the shepherd, he'd let the shepherd in. The shepherd could call out his sheep and then they would go on their way. And so it's kind of a, a way, you know, that everyone got to keep their sheep in, in one place. So that's the picture that Jesus is giving them about the, the shepherd coming in and calling them out. It's, it's really a great, a great picture, isn't it? Like there's a lot of, of great things in this illustration that tell us about our relationship with God, right? He's the only one that can come and call us out, and we listen to his voice. He leads us out of this crowd of lots of different sheep, but, but the ones that are his flock are the ones that follow him out of the crowd. Great Stuff and, and a sheep won't follow a stranger, so whenever we hear any voice that is not that of God's, we should know to run the other way. This is all great stuff, and when I was first assigned to preach about the door, I had planned on preaching from this passage, but upon further inspection, I realized Jesus doesn't call himself the door in this passage. If anything, he's actually calling himself the shepherd in this passage, right? And Dave is preaching on that next week, so I didn't want to step on his toes. So we actually, all that's good stuff, and it's great, but Jesus doesn't call himself the door. We've got to keep going to figure out this particular I am statement of Jesus. In verse 6, this is kind of interesting because it says, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So I said everyone understood a lot about sheep. Apparently these guys didn't know quite as much as your average bear about sheep. But I can see Jesus kind of realizing as he's telling them this picture that the first picture was way over their heads. It was not connecting. And so he decides he's got to simplify it, right? The first picture had lots of different flocks of sheep. There's a gatekeeper. There's all these different shepherds. Who owns the sheep? There's all different kinds of stuff going on. There's a gate in the way. And so I kind of see Jesus saying, let me make this picture way even easier to understand. We simplify it. Let me, let's, take, let's just have two players, the sheep and Jesus. Let's just make that all that there is so that we can eliminate any confusion. And so Jesus tells a different illustration, but he still uses the idea of sheep in a pen. But it's a different scenario. Instead of the sheep being in town and all together in the same pen, he tells us an illustration about whenever sheep are out in a countryside. Maybe they're, they're traveling long distances or for whatever reason. Whenever they would, would pin down in a the countryside, there would be like a crude um, kind of circle of rocks that had a little bitty opening, and that was the sheep pen. I brought a picture to kind of give you an idea of what one of these sheep pens would have looked like. So these would just be out somewhere. They would be empty, 
And then the, the shepherds would lead the sheep in through that little hole there, and then the sheep would be in their pen. And these never had doors. There was no gate. There was no nothing. It was just an opening there. So once all the sheep were in the pen, the shepherd would sit down inside of that little gate, maybe prop himself up against the wall, lay down kind of across there, and the shepherd would literally become the door on this pen, right? The sheep couldn't get past him without waking him up on him noticing, and nothing could definitely get through him this way because he's, he is the, the door. And so it's through that lens and that kind of shepherd pen that we pick it up in verse 7. So Jesus said again to them, and trying to simplify this, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. So see, Jesus says, I am the actual door. I am the door. I'm the thing that's in the gap where a door is supposed to be that there's not one. I am now that door. So you're probably thinking about Jesus saying, I am the door, meaning he's the pathway to God. He's the way to God. He's the method with which we get to God. And those things are true, but Jesus said that in other areas. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus made it clear that he is the only way to God. I think here he might be saying something different about, I am the door. I am the barrier. I get to decide who comes in. But more importantly, I get to decide who stays in and who I'm going to keep out. Not in the form of people, but in the form of calamity. Once my sheep are in the pen, I become the door on this sheep pen so that wolves can't get in. So that things can't get in to harm my sheep. Jesus saying that he is the door is actually much more about our feeling of security than it is simply him lining out what it takes to get to heaven. I also love that verse 8, he says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. It's present tense. He doesn't say, everyone that came before me, well, they were wrong, but now here I am. It's present tense because he's looking at these Pharisees in the eye, the people who, are been, who have been thieves and robbers, and he's saying everyone who has a different way to get to heaven and everyone who is telling you that your security needs to be in something other than God, I'm telling you that they are thieves and liars. He's looking at these people and saying, you are thieves, robbers. You are liars. It's a direct challenge to these Pharisees. He calls them thieves. I think of something about like people that take things through deception, right, or through like misdirection. And then robbers, that seems to be a little bit more violent, taking something that's not yours by force. And these were definitely things that the Pharisees were doing in this day. They were, they were um, lying to people. They were deceiving people. They were forcing people into following them or doing these certain things. And it was a bad practice. And Jesus looks them in the eye. He says, if you're doing things like that, you're a thief and you're a robber. And the good thing is that the true children of God don't listen to those thieves and robbers, anyway, they understand, no, 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 you make a good point, but my security is going to be found in the door on my sheep pen, and that is Jesus. So he says again in verse 9, he says, I am the door, period. I'm the one, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. That go in and out there is a, is a phrase that basically meant like go about your life. So what he's saying is, is if, if you enter into the pen because the door is allowing you to, then you can go in and live your life, go about your life 
relatively worry-free. Not that we're not going to have troubles, but that we know we have a door giving us our safety and security. Right? When Jesus is your door, when Jesus is the door that's on your pen, you can live your life worry-free. But, but when you're following a thief, when you're following someone shifty, when you got into the position of trusting this thing for your security by deception, then you actually don't have any security at all. There's no peace. There's no life whenever the thing that you're following is a thief to begin with. And so if Jesus is the door, then we are safe in the pen, and, and he won't let anything in this in to harm us. And, and I think we're starting to wrap our minds around that. But I still wonder if we sometimes overthink what Jesus meant whenever he said this door thing, right? We're, we're kind of thinking, well, it, but it's still, like, there's got to be an entryway. It's got to be something mystical. Let's, let's boil it all the way down to the literal doors on our house, right? Most of you probably lock your doors at night. Maybe you set the alarm. For me, I locked the doors. Then my wife said, did you lock the doors? And I say, yes. And she goes and Checks them all anyway behind me, right? So that's kind of what we do at night. And then you can go to bed and you can rest easy. Now, I wonder, there's no way to know this, but I wonder how many times my doors on my house have actually kept an intruder out of my house. I think that that number might be zero. I think there's never been a time that someone's like, let me rob this place, and, oh, door's locked, and then went away. I don't know, there might be zero. If it's not zero, it's very, very, very few times. Because the function of the door is to keep what's supposed to be out, out, and to keep what's supposed to be in, in. But you know what my door gives me? is a sense of security. My door makes me feel safe and protected. Way more than the actual thing that my doors do is they give me this sense of comfort knowing that the doors are there doing their jobs. So if you remember the very question that Jesus is answering here, we've got to go back to that. These guys asked, are we blind? And then Jesus is talking about all this stuff with sheep. Here's maybe what I think he was using these pictures to to answer their question. I think he might have been saying, you might be blind to what it is that you trust for your peace and your hope and security. Right? He might have been saying, you, you're, so if, you, if your security is in something man-made or something that can be taken away, there's actually no security in that whatsoever. If you've got your rainy day fund and your retirement all planned out, those are great things. You should do those. But if that's where you're placing your hope and your security in, those things aren't good enough. Those, are not, those do not make a good door. And even worse than that, if you're placing it in something that you can see or touch, anything that can be taken away, there's no security there. I think he might be saying, you, you, might have, you might not even have someone at the door at all. You might be blind to the fact that you're wide open. You're not even in the pen. Here's maybe what I think. If he was talking to us today, and if we were to say, Jesus, am I blind to something? This is what I think he might be saying to us. He might, be, he might say, maybe you're not blind but you're certainly not looking. You're not looking around to assess what's going on. You're not seeking to find the source of why you're so anxious. But if you would just look and say, where is my hope and peace found if it's not in Jesus being the door on your sheep pen, then maybe you're blind to that. Sheep in a pen with their shepherd as the door 
they don't worry about wolves that are outside the pen. Whether a wolf is, actu- is out there or not doesn't actually change what a sheep does. And I don't think that the shepherd is announcing every single wolf to all the sheep, right? Hey, guys, don't worry. There's, there's a wolf out here, but I got your back. Y'all just do your thing. I'm going to take care of this wolf. I, I think just the door being there separates the two enough that the sheep don't act any different when calamity is out there. It's already taken care of, so they can just keep eating. They can just keep going in and out as long as they have a good shepherd as their door. And my friends, we have a perfect shepherd as our door so we don't have to worry. Now, I want to finish uh, with John 10.10 because it's the only difficult scripture, I think, in this thing, but but it's also, it's kind of a a bookend to this whole thing that I think is really good. So you guys know this verse. John 10, 10, 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So the thief, first of all, you've probably heard this preached before that the thief here is talking about Satan, um, but it's not. He just spent 10 verses looking these Pharisees in the eye, calling them thieves and robbers, and saying that the thieves and the robbers are the people that are misleading the people of God and convincing them to place their trust into something man-made that they can hold on to, that they can see, instead of placing their faith in Jesus. So he spent 10 verses talking about those people being the thief. So verse 10, he's talking about those same thief, the people on this earth that are misleading and misdirecting the people of God. He says that those people are here to steal and kill and to destroy. Because following thieves and liars will destroy your relationship with God. They will kill your sense of peace. You will be on edge at all times. And oftentimes people that are leading us astray, just like the Pharisees back in biblical times, they're looking to take something for themselves and they get that from taking it away from you you have to trust in this person for your security, you're kind of indebted to them all the time, right? So John 10.10 is about human beings walking this earth that are trying to take our attention, our affection, our trust and hope and peace out of our heavenly father and place it in something here on earth. That's what these thieves are doing, and it's not good. But then he says, Jesus says, so that's the kind of life that you're trying to offer. He says, but here's the kind of life I try to offer. I came so that they could live a life that is abundant, an abundant life that isn't full of fear. It's actually free of fear, an abundant life that isn't lived nervously, but it's lived confidently, an abundant life that isn't timid, but it's so full of power and purpose and belief that God has equipped me and called me to do something and empowered me by the Holy Spirit to walk it out. And we can get timid and we can get scared whenever we are not sure where our security is, but we can walk in power, my friends, when we know that Jesus is the door, that nothing can get in and get us, that he doesn't decide is okay to come in. It's a life full of power and purpose. Again, I think if Jesus were here, just trying to to gently remind us what it is that we might be blind to, I think he might have this reminder for us. This abundant life that Jesus is talking about, that he's bringing to us, is not found in confidence in yourself or in self-reliance, in figuring out how to do it on your own. 
Abundant life is found when Jesus is your door. And because Jesus is the door, now we have peace and hope and security. In direct opposition to what the thief is offering us to still kill and destroy, now, no, with this abundant life, we have actual peace and hope and security. The things that we were looking the wrong way for to begin with. Friends, we have access to this life that Jesus has for us, and it's a life of abundance. It's a life of security, of knowing that God has us in the palm of his hand and that absolutely nothing can snatch us away from that. That's why Jesus says, I am the door, shut, locked, good to go. I've got your back. And you don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to seek your security somewhere else. I'm here. So church, maybe we can all just think about what it is that we're trusting in. Think about the areas of our life that we seem to be a little bit more nervous, a little bit more unsure. And allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us those areas where we can just say, Jesus, you are the door. And I trust you to do your job. Give me my sense of peace and calm, knowing that you're there doing what you're supposed to do. I don't know where that area is for you, but I believe that we all have that area in our lives. So as we let the Holy Spirit speak to us, let me pray for us together. God, we do look to you, God, because we know that you are the ultimate source of peace. God, we confess and we repent for the times that we take our eyes off of you and think that we're responsible for our own security and we've got to do it, God, because we know that you delight in supplying that for us, God. So we look to you for hope. We look to you for peace. We don't want to find ourselves scrambling around trying to do our best. We want to find ourselves squarely in your purpose, squarely in your sheep pen where you are the door, deciding who goes and who stays, keeping out what should stay out. God, we lay ourselves at your feet. We, we humble ourselves before your plans and your purposes. God, and we desire you to reveal to us any areas that we may be blind so that we can see more clearly to walk in the ways that you have for us. God, we love you. We, we worship you. We honor you. And we thank you for being the door. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.